In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. The, the parallels between the prologue of John's Gospel and the creation account in Genesis are obvious. Both use the phrase, in the beginning, to introduce what will subsequently take place. Both speak of the juxtaposition of darkness and light. According to Genesis, God speaks all things into existence. Let there be light, and there was light. For John, it is the eternal word, the word of God, through whom all things come into being. These parallels are evident to us and would have been at least as obvious to the gospel writer's Jewish audience. John is writing in part to convince the Jews that Jesus is the long-awaited Messiah. They have veneration for Scripture, for the redemptive story that has come down to them through the Torah and the ancient Hebrew texts. John wants them to know that Jesus, the Word became flesh, the eternal Word of God, was present at the time of creation. This Jesus preceded even their sacred writings. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the redemptive story that started with Genesis comes to fruition in the person of Jesus Christ. In both biblical accounts, Genesis and John's Gospel, the light pushes back the darkness and eventually overcomes it. With my family, a few of the people who know a good film when they see one, we saw the Hobbit movie a couple of nights ago. And there's a scene where Gandalf, the good wizard, is battling the evil Sauron, who appears as a dark, amorphous cloud. Gandalf tries to fight him using his lighted staff, but is eventually pinned by the darkness against the sheer face of a rock wall. The voice of Sauron booms from the dark cloud. Light cannot defeat darkness. Darkness will always prevail. The movie leaves Gandalf in Sauron's captivity, but as I understand it, the final episode of the film will be released next year, and we'll see then who ultimately wins the battle. As for the biblical account, the outcome is already decided in advance. Light prevails over darkness.
What do we know about light and the properties of light? How many of you have ever been spelunking? If you haven't been, you probably want to be just so that you can use that word. <laughs> By spelunking, I don't mean visiting the Luray Caverns in the Shenandoah Valley <laughs> with its railed walkways, spacious chambers, and floodlit stalactites and stalagmites. When I was in college, I went to Knoxville with a couple of friends who were into caving. We crawled on our bellies in the mud for what seemed like forever before we found a space large enough for the three of us to half sit up together. We had those fancy miner-type helmets with the lights in front of them, and someone suggested that we turn off our lights. Close your eyes. Humor me. Close your eyes. Now, if you would, just put your hands over your eyes. You're all actually doing this. This is wonderful. <laughs> it's darker still with your hands over your eyes, correct? You can take them down now. It's darker still with your hands over your eyes. Well, in that cave, it was darker than that. It was the first and perhaps the only time that I've ever experienced the total absence of light. You could hold your hands six inches in front of your face and not see anything. Then one of my friends lit a match and slowly, as my eyes adjusted to the light, it was amazing how much you could see from just the single small flame of a match head. It really doesn't require much light at all to push back the darkness. Light is also useful for healing. There are several illnesses that have been proven to benefit from phototherapy. One that I know about is jaundice. I understand that new types of light therapy are available today, but when our daughter Emily left the hospital in Charleston with jaundice, the doctor suggested putting her in a well-lighted room that received plenty of direct sunlight. We went home, and every day for a week, we put her bassinet right in the front of a large picture window in the front of our house. I'm sure after day seven, our neighbors were thinking, all right already, we know you've had a baby. <laughs> but it worked, and the light cured her jaundice. Light helps, too, with emotional and mental well-being. We recently passed the shortest day of the year, and I, for one, always celebrate the lengthening of days. It certainly makes it easier to get outside and exercise, but just having more daylight in and of itself helps to improve my mood and my outlook. 
Light also creates warmth. It can cause not only physical heat, but can also create a warm and inviting atmosphere, like the atmosphere of a comfortable family room with a nice wood fireplace. John's Gospel is certainly the most theological of the Gospels. It's noted for the long discourses of Jesus and for his I am statements. Here in John's Gospel, we find Jesus saying, I am the bread of life. I am the door. I am the true vine. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the light of the world. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And later he said, while I am in the world, I am the light of the world. The gospel writer is not a proponent of the Gnostic idea that matter and the material world are evil. No, instead, the Creator God brought a world into being that is good. If people walk in darkness, it is because they choose to walk in darkness. It's not because they live in a world that's inherently morally corrupt. John wants to convince his readers to make them believe that Jesus is the Christ. In fact, some form of the word believe is used more than 80 times in the gospel. Finally, John even states his purpose explicitly. He says, these things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Following Jesus, believing in him, means no longer walking in darkness. It means becoming a child of the light. It means having life in his name, a new quality of life that begins here and now. I think today we would recognize that it's possible, even likely, that sooner or later, we'll encounter darkness that's not of our own choosing, darkness that's not a result of our missing the mark or falling short or making bad choices. There are times when we are overcome with anxiety or depression, when sudden or chronic illness leaves us devastated, when we are hit hard by the loss of a loved one, when we or someone we love is caught in the web of addiction. There are times when it seems the darkness is gaining the upper hand. In fact, may even be about to destroy us. What does it mean then to be a child of the light? What does it mean then to be a follower of the one who is the light of the world? First and foremost, I think it means realizing that we are not alone. If God is for us, then who can be against us? Nothing 
in all creation can separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. Being a child of the light also means that we can hold on to hope. Several months ago, my younger brother was diagnosed with lymphoma, and in solidarity with him, I decided to do a group bike ride to raise money for the Leukemia Lymphoma Society. Our coach was a cancer survivor who was first diagnosed with lymphoma in 2000 at age 28. He underwent chemotherapy, immunotherapy, and radiation, and his cancer went into remission. He said that first bout with cancer helped him to straighten out his life, made him pay more attention to his relationship with God, and helped him to see each day as a gift. He got married, and he and his wife had two little boys. Nine years later, in 2010, the cancer returned, and they discovered a tumor. This time, it was treated very aggressively with surgery and heavy doses of chemo. Most days, he was too sick and too nauseated to go to work. For the first time, he was afraid that he was going to die. He shared his fear with one of his nurses at the hospital, and her response was, die? You're not going to die. You're much too strong for that. He shared with us that at a time when he was afraid and barely clinging to hope, her response changed everything. It renewed his hope and helped him to see that he needed other people. He needed to talk to them about his condition and stop trying to handle it all on his own. He got involved with team and training, and today he's coaching groups of cyclists and riding about two or 300 miles every week. We celebrated Christmas this week, and I hope for you that it was a celebration full of light and laughter and joy. The promise of the Gospel of John is that at Christmas, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, full of grace and truth. It's a promise of light and life and hope for each of us, a promise of victory over darkness. Jesus told his followers, while I am with you, I am the light of the world. But there's more. There's more because now we are the light of the world, you and I. If someone is going to see God's light today, it will be through our kind words, through our gracious acts, through the forgiveness that we offer, through the sacrificial giving of ourselves in service to others. That can be an intimidating thought, that I'm responsible for sharing God's light with the world. The good news is that it doesn't take a whole lot of light to push back the darkness, only the tiny flame of a single match. May it be so.